We had a very disappointing pop culture weekend. Fucking Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley. Look, I am one of those people. Let me just say, I'm because a lot of people are like, man, people don't know shit about boxing. When people are like, because I remember there's this thing with with uh, people that would watch the flight, the, the fights. They'd be like, Floyd's running, Floyd's hugging, and they're like, motherfucker, you don't understand defense. You motherfuckers don't know shit about fighting. And look, I'm one of these people. I do not know shit about fighting. Let me say that. So that said, I really did want to see Woodley whoop Jake Paul ass. Just because, like, and you know what? It was, look, they fucking hyped it right. Like, I saw the them sitting down uh, with a uh, dude um, on Showtime, and I was in, in the clip... <laughs> You got five chains on your neck. You not Nipsey Hussle. Who in your neighborhood looks like that? I'm like, all right, I'm here for it. <laughs> Name dropping Nipsey, talking shit to white boys' faces, making him stumble. This is up my alley. All right, all right, you got me. This That's like Lyle Barron's catnip right there. And then, you know, obviously, Jake Paul won. And, you know, oh, this is horrible for the rest. Look, here's the thing. And I'm not going to get all deep and be like, we should not be putting stock in our pride in whether a black boxer wins a fight against a white boxer. Like, I'm not doing all that. I'm saying he fought the MAA guy, right? When he fights the black boxer and wins, then I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna be like, ah, oh, goddamn, fucking white people, they won. But until then, like, if he keeps fighting, like, these other celebrities and these mixed martial art niggas, I'm not taking it seriously. I'm, I'm not being, oh, my God, uh, like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Another disappointing thing for the culture, Kanye West is Donda. I don't want to spend a bunch of time talking about it. I'm just going to say this album, along with the, the Jesus is King album, makes me think of this episode of King of the Hill where there was like the, um, and this is like an episode from the early 2000s. So it's like, it was like these sort of like Tony Hawk pro skater, Limp biscuit punk rock, rock rap metal guys at the church where they're like, we're going to make Christianity cool. We're going to skateboard in the name of Jesus. And we're going to have tattoos in the name of the Bible and stuff like that. And Hank had a problem with his son being around that. And there's a line where he said, God dang it. God dang it. You're not making Christianity better. You're just making rock and roll worse. That's how I feel about Kanye right now with the music that he's making or he's been making. You know, because um, he, he failed because it's like all right, you just made you failed a gospel you failed at trap music. You failed at industrial pop. You failed at experimental pop. Like, it's just not, it's just not good. The other thing with it is, with this Kanye project is, I, I see this thing where there's like this little hope that he'll still like have, and by the way, all the people that liked his album are like white and like do weird drugs or they, like, because I I'm, I do believe that you can tell a lot about a person by the type of music they listen to, especially the type of rap music they listen to. I have not heard anybody that's like, oh, uh, King's Disease 2 and Donda 
our albums of the year. Nobody is agreeing with those two things. So there's this thing where it's like we kind of want to hold on to the idea that Kanye could do something dope, like that he can just go back to what we we liked. Even me, like I knew it wasn't going to happen because I was on here talking about like, hey, like the, the rollout is is working well. I didn't think he would like take like a month to put it out and then Universal would make an executive decision just to be like, all right, we're putting your shit out for you. You're taking too long, nigga. You're wasting our money. Um, but I was like, hey, rollout's a great idea. There's a story, him being in the stadium recording it. And there's like this little sliver of hope where I'm like, okay, Donda, he's going to go back to his roots. He's going to, because we, we always like, we're like, oh, Kanye's back to his roots. Like he's going to fucking get an MPC and an ASR 10 and be digging through the crates and sampling the soul. And like, we really want that to happen, but it's not going to fucking happen. And it is disappointing because it's like, all right, it's named after your late mother. We <clears throat> kind of had the sliver of hope that you would be like sampling soul or, or chopping up records that she would play around the house or like make music that you feel like she would kind of like. And I don't think she would like this new newer music that he's been making. And I'm not saying that like, you know, I'm trying to get his dead mama on my side. I'm saying that like, <laughs> I'm saying it isn't like black moms don't fuck with Kanye anymore. And I'm saying black, like boomer moms, they ain't fucking with Kanye no more. Like they did for his like, you know, first three albums in Dark Twisted Fantasy, you know? I just, I just think he's got like no creativity left. He's got like nothing, nothing left in the tank. And I could, I could kind of understand how he was gassed to put out that music or just make that kind of music. Because when you got all these like elaborate set pieces, you're testing the album out in stadiums i bet that shit feels great like people are like all right let me just see what this is about you know and you got you do got to give respect for kanye because in the sense that it's only a few artists where they could actually get people out to a stadium with an album that isn't even out yet and then and them just vibing to their music not even performing the record so it's like oh all right you're a legend nigga i give you blah 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 but the bottom line is I think he's just out of it because it's like, like John Legend says something like Kanye hasn't made a beat in like seven years. I think he said that like four years ago and you listen to this and it's like, yeah, Kanye like, and I think Kanye, like he has access to so many producers and musicians and songwriters and ghostwriters to where he can just say yay or nay to stuff. And he can just like probably walk kind of like a Dr. Dre situation where you can walk in different, but I feel, I get the feeling Dr. Dre is still a lot more hands-on when it comes to making the music than Kanye. Cause like the, cause with Dre, like the shit sounds consistent. Whereas with Kanye, it's all over the place. And there's this, there's this thing where I get why he doesn't want to do it. I get why he doesn't want to put in the work. Cause it's like, all right, you've, since he was like, what, 14, 15 years old, he's been with, like, a drum machine and a sampler, and, like, I get it, like, you got a, you got a meeting with some fucking Gap shareholders and some other fucking private company we know nothing about, 
that you have a bunch of money in and we'd be like, you know, and like, I get why, why like he doesn't want to sit there, you know, looking for the right kick or like finding out like why of the, the fucking vocal loop of vocal samples and looping the right way. Like I get it. Like the same way how like, I just don't want to do open mics and, and not that like, Oh, I'm too good for that. It's like, I think anybody that's been doing standup comedy for like, eight years, their first four to six years, they were getting up, you know, six to eight times a week. They ran a bunch of sets. They performed in every type of environment. And it's this sort of thing where you can, you can almost underperform. Cause one thing for me is like, I always go, go out of my way to adapt to the room, to adapt to the setting. So if I'm performing for a bunch of comics, it's like, all right, I'm going to try to adapt for that. And then I'm gonna get in my head. I'm like, oh no, because everybody's like too cool and just saying their jokes and not really performing them. It's like uh, I, I can't do it. Just I'll be at shows. Shit, I'll I'll be at shitty bar shows, but I'll, I'm I'm doing book shows. So I get why Kanye is just fucking over it and doesn't want to like just sit there doing that when he's got all these people to do it for him. And he can put out the music and make make a ton of money, and enough people will gas him up like it's good. My shit is. My shit is on the public. Why are we still trying to convince ourselves that this is good music? No pun intended. Why are we still doing this? You know how many motherfuckers I've had message me when the shit dropped and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole album was whack, but I like Jail and Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole album was whack, but... um. I like fucking uh, uh, off the grid in jail. Okay, shit. And it's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. You just want to like, and which I don't know why. It's like if you fucking paying ten dollars to like Spotify or Apple or, or Title, or whatever. It, you didn't pay for this album. You have all the music in the world for ten dollars. I'm like, I don't know why you're tripping. Why you want? I get it if you bought the shit in the store, but it's like we don't do that anymore. Like for me, I actually thought like that it'd be like yay, where there'd be like, I don't know, maybe like two tracks on there I'd be able to walk away with, but instead there is like none. I remember uh hearing the the Jesus Lord part two snippet and thinking like, okay, so he's got the locks on it, like, all right, this could I don't know, maybe, maybe maybe this could be something somewhat enjoyable. And that's the one song I walk away with from it. But then again, it's like, when the fuck am I gonna play Jesus Lord part two. Like, when the fuck am I going to play a, a fucking, like, 11 minute and 30 second song? I just looked it up. When the fuck am I going to play an 11 minute and 30 second song of just bars about Jesus and spirituality? Like, what am I just going to be sitting in the crib listening to that shit? Like, what's the setting? I'm not playing that shit in the gym. I'm not playing it before a show. I'm not playing it when I'm sad. I'm not playing it when I'm happy. Like, I'm never listening to this shit. <laughs> Even though it's like, yeah, it's bars and it's great. Kanye, J Electronica, the locks. Like, you know, fucking call 2009 me to be excited about it. <laughs> yeah, man, you know, he's got a few tracks. I just need to listen to it again. I, I just need to sit with it. We don't need to sit with it. Bring on Drake. Bring on Kendrick. Enough.
This is the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Behrens. Thank you very, very much for tuning in. Today, we will be unpacking when you don't get along with your significant other's friends and or family. And all the dynamics that can play into that, like class, race, nationality. By the way, I hate you motherfuckers to think race ethnicity and nationality are the same thing what is your nationality the bitch is clearly american just ask her if she's latina and she likes black dick nigga get on with it anyway. <laughs> anyways hope you guys enjoyed the show share on social media text the episode to a friend if you really think it's that fire also i don't know the capacity like what you guys are doing when you listen to me so let me say if you were listening to me while at work or on your way to work, I hope you remain unbothered and have a great productive day. If you are listening to me in the gym, I hope you get all the gains and a good sweat. If you are listening to me while you are relaxing, hope you enjoy that smoke, hope you enjoy that glass of alcohol. If you are listening to me while you are driving, watch out, it's a deer nigga. <laughs> enjoy the show, peace. So the first time I remember having an issue with a girl I was dating and one of her friends, I was 21 years old. And this was a goofy old bitch I was dating. I was like 21. She was like 28, 29. And normally, like when girls are like when girls date younger, it's like they're they're like either like, you know, late 30s, early 40s. And they're just like, yeah, fuck it. Why not? Like and their sex drive is like at the highest it's ever gonna get. Or they're like in their like, they're like 28, 29 years old and like their life is falling apart. Cause that's normally when like girls, like their their life falls apart and they're kind of like figuring shit out again. I don't wanna say their life's falling apart, but they're like, you know what? Let's go back to the drawing board. Guys, our life normally falls apart when we're like 24. And then like shit gets good for us again when we're, when we're like 27, 28. But anyways, um. So I did date my handful of older women at a at a very young age. That's how it works. That's how it works for guys. Like I didn't date uh, a nineteen year old until I was like twenty three, and then I didn't date a twenty two year old until I was like twenty seven, twenty eight, and I didn't start fucking women my own age until I turned thirty. <laughs> Anyways. So dating this older chick, this goofy as shit, and I'm coming back from San Francisco. I just got gotten done doing a show at the Purple Onion, and I'm like, hey, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm at uh, Chicken and Waffles. And just so you know, Oakland actually has a place called Chicken and Waffles with no relation to Roscoe no relation to Waffle House. They just call it Chicken and Waffles, and a bunch of people, like, they kind of, like, lean into, like... They don't like say like, hey, we're affiliated with Roscoe's, but it's it's strongly there's a lot of shit that if you look at the menu, like there's a lot of shit where it's like I'm not saying like we cousins, but I'm not I ain't gonna deny it if you think if you see a resemblance. <laughs> so, anyways, she's like, Yeah, I'm I'm uh meeting up with some friends, like me and some friends were gonna be over there. So I'm like, all right, cool, I'll roll over and fuck with you. So it's her and then a handful of her classmates who are in their like 
mid to late 20s. And I'm like 21. So they're kind of like, oh, he's so, he's so young. He's so young. But I'm like, I'm not going to be intimidated. But like, Bob, I'm not going to be intimidated by like a bunch of like CSU East Bay bitches <laughs> at like 1135 at night at a chicken and waffles. Like, niggas just getting some food. So, and also they went to CSU East Bay. So for context, CSU East Bay, it is a four-year college in the Bay Area, but it might as well be a fucking continuation school. I will tell you some of like the some of like the dumbest four-year college educated people I met have gone there. I know there's this thing where like niggas that didn't like go to school or didn't graduate love to be like, you know, just because you went to college doesn't mean that you are smart. That doesn't mean that you have intelligence. Intelligence and being book smart are not the same. I'm not trying to do that, like, just because you went to school and I didn't. I'm not trying to do that bullshit. I'm saying, like, it's a lot of dumb, like, it's a lot of, like, they should just turn that motherfucker into a trade school. Anyways. So I'm there, and then it's this one girl named Tanya. And Tanya, I get there, and then she's, she's like, ah, so, um, so, 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 what do you do? So, 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 you're a comedian? Really, really? Why don't you make, tell some jokes for us? You should tell some jokes for us. And this is like, let me make this distinction right now before I get into how out of pocket she was. She was not ghetto. I know ghetto. I can deal with ghetto. I can deal with hood. She had this like high school way of socializing and like a kind of like high school way of socializing is where every interaction is, I don't even want to say it's ball breaking. It's, all right, I'm going to test your rep. I'm going to test you every step of the way. And like, I'm basically just going to troll you every interaction. So she's doing that. And then she's like, so have you ever been with an older woman before? How many girlfriends have you had? And I'm like, oh my God. And then my lady friend is like, is like, Tanya, could you stop? Could you chill? Can you can you just he's like what? I'm just asking questions. I'm just he can't take questions. And then at one point she's like, she's like, this girl's awful. She's like, so um so what do you do for work, Lyle? And I'm like, oh um, I produce comedy shows. And then she's like, mm, producing, yeah, I hear a lot of people are doing that now. Yeah, I hope that works out for you. A lot of people are producing now. And then she's like, I got these friends where her classmates, like, we're mutual friends with these niggas that rap. And then she, she's like, yeah, because, like, like, like he hangs around them. And she was talking about me. Like, bitches really are good at being bitches. Like, she, she was talking about me at one point. Like, I wasn't there. And she's like, yeah, he hangs out with uh, them and goes to their, to, to their rap shows. Well, that's good. It's like, because rappers always have some people that hang around them. They, they all have some, like, groupies and roadies. And I'm like, them niggas begged me to come. Like, I don't... You think I want to go to a rapper bringer show? They're like, hey, Lyle, get whatever you want to drink. I got a card open, but just when I hit the stage, just get real close to the stage. Come on, I, I need you tonight, dog. I need you tonight. Like, anyway, so then that happens. And at one point, and she she's just saying a bunch of dumb shit. And then at one point, and I'm just, like, avoiding eye contact because I'm not as, like, seasoned as I was now. I'm, like, 21 years old. She's older. And it was also like 11.35 p.m. at night, so I didn't, I wasn't saying no clever shit. Like, because when she was like, so this is your first time dating an older girl, I would have been like, is this your first time getting out the house? Like, I would have said some clever shit, but I was just like, 
I was tired. Um, then at one point, she pulls out her phone. She's like, oh, no, tell some jokes first. Okay, I have it going. Here, come on, be funny. Come on, tell a joke. Come on, come on, what do you have? And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And she's doing, and like, she really thinks she's, like, I don't know if she thinks she's being funny or she thinks she's being cute or whatever. And then the lady friend is like, is like, Tanya, come on, stop, stop. You know, that's not, like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, and then the other two girls that are with us are just like, okay. And I'd already put an order for food in, and I'm texting people, and she's like, just saying a bunch of dumb shit, and I'm just straight up ignoring her. It feels like uh, some fucking, um, it, it, feel, it feels like a reality show, <laughs> you know? <laughs> where you're like, you know like how like a reality TV, like there's somebody where like, wait, nobody's like this bad in real life. People aren't really like this. And it's like, no, I, like it felt like a reality show in the sense that I just met somebody who was just so horrible and whack in that moment. And... So then I'm texting people on my little shitty ass phone and I'm like, like, hey, call me, call me, call me. Cause I was trying to do like the fake a phone call thing. So then eventually I just called myself, walked out to the restaurant and then walked home. Cause that seemed like the appropriate thing to do to me. Cause I'm like, cause like I said, world star hip hop was very much in our collective minds at the time in 2012. So I'm not going to like flash on her. I'm not going to like act a damn fool. And then I end up on fucking Obama's internet. Like I'm not doing that. So what I did was, so I walk home and then she's blowing me up. She's calling me. She's calling me. She's like, Oh my God. And then I'm like, I, I keep sending it straight to voicemail, not picking up. And then she's like, she's like, how could you walk out? And I'm like, I'm not going to pick up. Because I know her friends were gassing her up. Like, really? You're just going to let them walk out like that? You're just, really? You're going to really just let them do that? Is that, wow, wow. You know, and, or they would have been right there like, hey, how come you left? Why'd you leave? Why'd you leave? Did you get nervous? Did you get stage fright? Are you scared of girls? Like a fucking bitch. So anyway, she's like giving me a bunch of grief. And I'm like, look, your friend is a fucking asshole. And she kept denying it. She's like, well, she wasn't that bad. Well, that's just how she is. Like, you couldn't just take it. You couldn't just take it. And I'm like, I don't fucking have to. Why do I? So, like, I got to sit. <laughs> Why do I need to sit there eating some fucking bootleg-ass Roscoe's at 11.35 p.m. at night, getting fucking berated and having a girl, like, make corny jokes at Maya Spitz? Why? Why do I have to just do that? And she was and this girl, like she wasn't a girlfriend, and she was just a girl I was dating. But why the fuck do I have to do that? And then for closure, eventually she was like, Yeah, yeah. She was like, that was really fucked up what she did. And then I heard some shit that would like really uh like like you ever meet somebody that you have a bad interaction with and you hear some karma stories after, and you're just like, mm, good, good. And she was like one of those people where it's like you know the karma is coming. Like, you know they're going to crash and burn just in being who they are. Like, your karma is going to be in the form of just being yourself, like the way you move out here. <clears throat> but anyways, yeah, and then I heard she has some some issues with some, like, men, and she got uninvited from a baby shower, and she's real butthurt about it. It was like, oh, fuck yeah. But anyways. But that's the issue of mine, is 
don't deny who your friends are. And like, I feel like a lot of women are like kind of in denial about what kind of friends they have. Who they're fr- I'll say like a, a lot of women and small town people. And, like, and I'm saying like niggas that either grew up in small towns or they grew up in the suburbs and they got the same friends since high school. Like they're like in denial about their friends and how their friends are overly comfortable with their toxic and selfish traits. Like there's a lot of, that's just how Steven is. Well, you gotta understand this. You know, that's how Eric is. Well, Eric about to be fucked up. Okay. Steven about to get his ass whooped. I don't play that shit. So how do you deal with somebody that's in denial about their peoples? The thing I always ask is, what's the scenario in which my people could do this to you and you'd be okay with it? So, like, with the chicken and waffle situation, it's like, what's the scenario in which my one of my homeboys can, like, ask you a bunch of, like, dumb shit and just kind of belittle what you do and then just say every and just everything out their mouth is at your expense and you can't do shit about it? And what I mean by can't do shit about it, it's like, can't do shit and not look like a damn fool. Like big black man acting a damn fool up in bootleg chicken and waffles. And you talking to some shit, talking, uh, doing something to some man that's bigger and stronger than you. It's like, can't do shit. So what I'm saying is, what's the scenario? Ta-Nasi Coates, when he's speaking to law enforcement, elected officials and white people, he asked, and, you know, giving like speeches and seminars and shit, he asked, what is the scenario in which it'd be okay for a cop to shoot your mother, your son, your daughter, a loved one? What's the scenario in which you'd feel that a cop shooting them is justifiable? Is it robbery? Is it them not complying? Is it them having a gun? What's the scenario in which their murder is justifiable? And a lot of them can't come up with an answer, he says. And he goes on to say, it's not that they don't deserve punishment, but they but they deserve to make it out alive. And I'm not trying to compare your girl's bitchy aunt to cops killing niggas. <laughs> I'm just saying that's a great line of logic with anybody that justifies somebody treating you like shit. You can learn from our activist. <laughs> like, I had a girlfriend whose dad was a dick. And, like, he would, you know, once, like, I remember one time I had, like, trouble opening a door. And it wasn't like I had trouble opening a door. It was that I was being extra gentle with it. Because, like, you know, you're in somebody else's house. You're in somebody else's house where you're a different ethnicity. So you don't want to break nothing. And then he was like, lift the lever, dumbass. And then I had, like, a problem. Like, yo, you can't just call me dumbass like that. I'm like, yo, your your dad's, like, kind of, like, a little bit of a dick. Like, what's the... What the fuck is this problem? And my girlfriend at the time, she said, you have to understand you're fucking his baby girl. And I'm like, but you're the fucking oldest. Like, I, what do you mean, baby girl? Like, like you're the oldest. Like, you're you older than me significantly. Like, what, like, what the fuck are you talking about? And to me, you know, like, she's my first love. She's my first image of intimacy and so on. And there, And there's this thing that happens with, like, your first love where they can be a sort of kind of like godlike complex that you develop for the for uh, 
for each other or or if it's if it's your first time in love you, what i'm saying is you can kind of develop a light godlike complex an image of this person and everything is just so divine and oh, roses and like you know but all he knows is he can hear the bed shaking all he sees is my goofy ass smiling ear to ear. And he knows that I am treating his firstborn daughter like a public playground. So I'm like, you know what? He's allowed to be a little bit of a dick to me. You know what's funny? I actually had a thought recently about parents knowing when somebody really wants to fuck their child. And like parents with adult children, obviously. But... <laughs> Like, for example, like, Ariel's sister is, like, a little asshole. Like, she's, like, really, really, like, you know, a piece of work. And she was telling me, like, like how her ex-boyfriend was, like, following the family around and and helping out when uh, her sister went back uh, to her, her college to uh, graduate, to walk. And he was like, yeah, like, her ex-boyfriend, like, he's around all the time. And he's like, anything... I can do, <laughs> and I'm just like, if I'm like a father and I know my daughter is like a bitch, like I'm looking at the at the ex boyfriend or this kid, this this boy that's in her life and just fucking like really loves her. I'm like, man, nigga, your dick must be dry as hell <laughs> if you following this bitch around. Shit, that's probably what my ex-girlfriend's dad was thinking about me. But this is important. Sometimes a significant other's family has good reason not to like you, and you gotta be cool and make an effort with them hating on you sometimes. Like, for example, I paid my bills off stand-up, so I don't like the term starving artist, because starving artists, like, I hate when people fucking say they're like, so you're a starving artist. It's like, all right, nigga, I'm not eating out of a trash can. Like, calm the fuck down. But I'm a comedian living in the Bay Area. I'm working, but I'm not doing TV tapings or putting albums out and specials. You know, I don't have a YouTube audience I'm building. I'm just running shows and doing them. So I can understand a woman's people looking at me like I'm about to slow her down, potentially. And also, there is this sort of unspoken, not so unspoken, ugly narrative in the Bay Area of niggas using women like ATM cards. You know, them like, let me borrow your car ass, niggas. So I'll accept some ambivalence towards me as long as they aren't condescending, too obvious, and keep an open mind. And if you see I treat her well, you know, if you see that we're together for the same thing, are you still being a bitch? Then fuck you. You know, enjoy talking about, enjoy talking shit about me when this is over. But until then, like, just stay the fuck out the way and like, let the good times roll. You do have to make an effort, though, especially in interracial relationships and relationships where there's a class divide that you both can feel in a relationship with somebody of a different nationality. It's really important to make an effort and show respect. When you're eating the different foods, singing the different songs, lighting the candles, you know, saying a prayer before uh, you bless the food or whatever, wearing the different hats, it's important to be in it 
as a sign of respect and not treat it like a chore. Unless it's going to church. Going to church is the one thing, like if you don't go to church, I say keep not going to church because towards the end of relationships or when your relationship is going through a very difficult period, you start to look at everything you did, every kind of way you extended yourself and you start to feel stupid or like you look for things to feel stupid for like, oh, I did this and I did, oh my God, I feel like an idiot. And I'm going to say, don't throw in somebody's religion as part of that. Like, oh my God, like I cheated on my God for you. What the fuck? I pray to Jesus. You had me praying to somebody with three arms. Fuck. I I'm Muslim. Like, how could you have me fucking going with you to, to pray to this white man in a turtleneck with a bunch of diamonds behind him? What the fuck? You don't want that. But every relationship, every um interracial relationship, I'll say, that I know of that felt off because of culture and not regular, not the ones that felt off because of regular old humanity, but the ones that felt off of culture, the problem was always a woman, the woman not understanding a black man's needs or a black man's cultural customs. I knew this nigga named Ron. And to give you an idea of how Ron was, Ron was already, uh, a brother that had a lot going on for, for reference. Okay. Like his, he had one of those moms where she was like, she didn't let him leave the house for shit. He wasn't even, he wasn't even one of those. You can go from that corner to that corner kids. He was like a, no, you're in the house studying and I'm going to have you doing private school shit around all these other kids that ain't black. And so anyway, so Ron ended up going to UC Berkeley to study theater. And if you don't know a thing about UC Berkeley, UC Berkeley is uh, not a good place for the arts, not the type of place you want to study film or theater. I was like, why the fuck would you go there for that? And he's like, dude, look, man, like, I didn't know that, my nigga. Like, I didn't. <laughs> That's how he talks. He's like, I had no idea. Like, he got there and he was like, he was like, what's your major? Like theater? And then he's like, what's your major? They're like, astronaut. <laughs> My coon ass would be like associating like <laughs> shit is not even a major, but just impressive job titles. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> what are you majoring in? Secretary of Transportation? <laughs> Yeah, we study in cars, trains, all that. It's called an engineer, nigga. But anyway, so Ron and his girl, he was having a real difficult time because basically he was like, dude, man, like she doesn't get that I have like black needs, you know, man? Like I really feel like my world is just too fucking white, man. And like all her friends are white and they're just so fucking white and so boring. I don't have anything to say to these motherfuckers, man. 
<laughs> I like the way people be talking. But he was like really having like a, a difficult time like explaining that to her. And and like when I talked to her, like she didn't really say shit to me. Sometimes I go, I would go over to the house and like she'd just be like in the other room, in the bedroom, and you know, I'd be listening to whatever weird shit he was talking about. And that's a problem. That's also like a thing I ever like a lot of niggas that have moved to Oakland and San Francisco. I have heard a lot of them say like, man, I don't have enough. My world is like way too fucking white, which kind of makes sense. Like because like if you don't play basketball, because like that's how niggas meet, like niggas become friends like, you know, like niggas we, like black men, like we, we don't be doing like we don't do meetups or like maybe like if we want some like white pussy or we just like, you know, or we're just kind of comfortable having a bunch of white friends because they're like oh they're cool they're not gonna make fun of me and they're gonna show up on time and you know like like we can do activities i like activities niggas don't want to do activities but niggas like we meet playing pickup basketball and occasionally we'll be in some place and we'll be like damn ain't no niggas up in here oh shit what's up and then we just relate to each other and start cooning but other than that like we you know we make friends differently and this is another topic, but I'll say if you plan to date outside your race and you don't have experience with said ethnicity outside of sexual and romantic situations, you're going to have a tough time. Because those are important to have. Like, it's important to have to that not be the only frame of reference. Like, I meet these girls where it'll be like, you know, they'll be like thick and like they'll have like, a big butt and you know they might have some love handles a big gut or whatever but like they got a big butt and therefore like you know thick cambodian girl thick white girl like you know or fucking chubby with a big butt they've dated a lot of black guys but they don't have black girlfriends they don't they haven't had black teachers and most of their frame of reference for shit is via niggas trying to fuck them and you can well one that could just really give you a warped view of an ethnicity when it's via the lens of them kind of putting you on a pedestal, so to speak. But then on top of that, it's like, no, you gotta, you gotta have those other people in your life. They're also good for relationship tour guides. Like if you dealing with Mexican bitch nonsense, you're going to need four Mexican homeboy Sherpas that can tell you, no, but they get like that though. No, here's where you fucked up, Lyle. No, 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 no. But you got you got to take your time. No, I told you, man. I mean, that's why I like white girls. Like, <laughs> the homie was dating a girl from a Nigerian family, and I had to explain to him that Nigerians are our white people. And that saved him a lot of trouble later on. Just like Cubans and Spaniards are white people to Latinos. Mexicans are basically rednecks. Indians ain't nothing but some black-ass Caucasians. Like, you know, like these... <laughs> all right, all right, all right, let me stop, let me stop, let me stop. I'm cooning a little too hard. I'm cooning a little too hard. Let me bring the plane down. Let me, let me bring the plane down. But it is good to have... It is good to, you know... It's good to have that. But even within that, a thing that needs to be taken into account is somebody's comfort level. The criticism of me with girlfriends has always been that I'm obviously 
bored, obviously bored when it comes to interacting with certain friends and coworkers. And I've dated girls that would not give my homies a chance. And when that happens, it feels like they don't like you because your friends are a part of you for better or for worse. And that in turn is something I've also been guilty of. You know, that's, you know, toxic shit is a cycle. It's, it's fucking sad. But my thing is, even without stand-up, I extend myself as a black man a lot. I got to see a bunch of shit I don't want to see, hear a bunch of shit I don't want to hear. And that's really going to happen if I'm around a lot of white people. And I believe everybody deserves spaces outside of, of their home that they feel comfortable what I'm not about is this liberal white culture of everything should be a safe space for the acronym people. LGBTQ, BIPOC, HIOU, whatever. I'm not a POC. I'm not a BIPOC. I'm a real nigga. I'm a masculine black man. There's this culture now of white women saying whatever bullshit they want. And there's a sort of unspoken expectation that black men got to shut the fuck up and go along with it because we got dicks. And I'm not with that. I'm not shutting up. And before I turn this into war against the Megans, I'm just saying it should be expected I'm nice. It should be expected I ask some questions. But why is it we always got to drag ourselves to their side of the street and be interested in they shit, but they never do the same for us? It can be very draining as a black man in blue voting coastal cities seeing BLM signs, but knowing a lot of shit isn't for you as a straight black man. And the Black Lives Matter signs are more about white liberal identity than they are actual black people. And I believe that in the same way that, like, I believe, like, white people putting up some fucking signs, like, in this home, we believe love is this, and science is real, and blah, 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 they're dinosaurs, and whatever the fuck they believe. Like, I believe that's a sign of white identity just as much as I believe uh, Trump signs are a sign of white identity. Just different white identity, but it's like, you know. I don't, know, I don't know. I'm going to go into some other shit. Like, let, let's stay on topic. But, like, I've been a little sad about how much Oakland and Brooklyn have in common. Like, I, I'll go to a bar on a weekend after, like, hanging around a comedy club for, like, hours, showing fact, doing the network thing and all that. And I'll go to a bar just to, like, let off some steam. And it's gentrification mixes of black music where they'll, like, flip a rap song with a techno beat. And some dance hall sprinkled in, but it's like a lot of techno shit and that gentrification trap. Not like, you know, the fucking T.I.G.Z. trap, but like the gentrification trap music that all the white kids dress like whores and put lights around their ne neck and go to these festivals and shit. That kind of that kind of trap music. It's not for me. It's dogs in the bar without a fucking leash. It's white people that are careless with their body language. Like, this is clearly not for me. So the last place I have that is curated for me is me.
So I need to be careful with how much of that I extend. Or else I end up like the nigga Jonathan. And I can't be like the nigga Jonathan. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I mean, Ron. But there needs to be compromise. Even when you're not a fan of your significant other's people. And like I said earlier, you can't talk horrible about them on and on. Unless they really fuck up. But you shouldn't do that. And that's a mistake we all make. We can end up using our significant other's friends or family as a verbal stress ball, obviously behind their back. But it's unfortunately a natural thing we all do. And that can come at the cost of making somebody you really love feel stupid. Like they can feel stupid for letting you in their their world, letting you in their life. They can feel stupid for like keeping some of those friends like, oh, man, you just. Man, she just makes me feel so dumb. Man, he just makes me feel like a fucking idiot now. And that can grow into a cancer in the relationship where you're both making critiques of each other's friends and relatives. And then it's all downhill from there. There needs to be compromise on how you interact with them and how often. Respect and decency is the bare minimum. I think you are obligated to appear as somebody where it makes sense that they are with why they are with you. You're nice. You're enterprising. You offer a round of drinks. If the social pool is small. That is my obligation as a nigga that don't vibe with these people you want me to vibe with. I shouldn't be obligated to like them or go camping with them or on a couple's retreat or some shit like that. And you need to understand, like I understand, not everybody is for everybody. I have homies that look stupid outside of guy world. But they're like smart in guy world, but they're dumb in, you know, a couple setting. They're dumb when talking to my girlfriend. They're dumb when talking to a girl I'm dating. They're dumb when, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, when DJ Khaled hosted the VMAs in 2016. He looks stupid as hell. Because DJ Khaled makes sense in like a Instagram story, Snapchat box. He makes sense on a phone screen. He looks stupid when he's supposed to be a master of ceremony. And he's like, yeah, introducing your next artist. They don't want them to shit. Give it up for Demi Lovato. Like, why the fuck are you talking like that? You a grown-ass man. He's horrible as a master of ceremony in front of a bunch of adults. Like, but DJ Khaled makes sense on a phone screen with a jet ski and a catchphrase. Drinking like a coconut with Ciroc in it. <laughs> so my homies can look stupid. If they meet a girlfriend or a girl that I am uh, in negotiations with. Because me and the homies, like, let, let's be honest. We talk about NBA, bitches, rap music, some weird society shit, current events within the culture. That's our lane. And maybe people we know if we're them type, if we know a lot of the same people. But not, even that, not really. Like, that's the thing. Like, I know, like... When girls get around each other, like, oh, then she did that. And because, like, when I'm with my niggas, I'm not like, yeah, then that nigga was talking about that. Then it's like, you know, 
maybe like one time and some shit happens and, and then we're just kind of off that. So when I've had girls be like, I don't like such and such. I reply, you're not supposed to like him. Of course he sounds stupid talking to you. I really wish girlfriends looked at their friends and family more like a football coach or a CEO when it comes to how they want their man to relate to them. Like we, we have people in our life for different reasons, and I think it's unrealistic to expect a significant other to... I think it's unrealistic for a significant other to in, expect you to enjoy everybody the way they enjoy everybody. Somebody that just talks about work tells long travel stories where they got lost and pats themselves on the back for being more progressive than their relatives or the place they grew up in is not my flavor. And if it was, you wouldn't be fucking with me. Because then I'm a different nigga all together if that's the type of shit that I rock with. Like, I have my going out friends that I don't want to experience in a dinner setting. I have my wine and culinary arts friends I don't want to pull up to a loud rap music nightclub with. I have my comedian friends I only hang with after shows or on the road, and that's it. And when we talk, we really get into it. But then we're done. We're done. So when a chick tells me, you know, I don't like such and such. He's so dumb. I don't even know why you like him. I tell her dumb friends are always down to do some shit. That's their purpose. You can hit the stupid homie at midnight to link at a bar that's like within a 1.5 mile radius. How far is it? Yeah, nigga, I'll meet you there. Stupid friends are good on those like long bad days. Where you don't want everything you experience to be the last thing before bed. You don't want to be sitting in a room replaying the day. So you hit up the stupid homie and like, all right, let's grab a drink. All right, I need I need this bar. I need this drink. I need you saying some kind of wacky shit to be the last thing before like my day ends. I can't let my day be the last thing. Quick upcoming shows plug. New York, September 8th, I'll be at Pete's Candy Store in Brooklyn. 9.30 p.m. show. Come on out to Williamsburg. Let's have a good time. In Bay Area, I'll be back for my birthday. The day before my birthday, I'll be doing a guest spot at Comedy Oakland on the 18th. It's an 8 p.m. show. Come through. We'll have drinks after. And quite a few of them. And then I'm at Oeste on September 23rd, two shows, 7 to 9 p.m. Then the next night on Friday, I'm at Boozland in San Francisco at 9 p.m. You can get tickets for those shows at dopecomedyshow.com. Hope to see you there. I've been the friend where I could tell homies girl don't like me. And some of the complaints about me have been understandable. Not necessarily correct, but understandable. I said this on this Time to Leave Her pod, uh, the first pod of this season. 
that for me and the homies misses, it's been a thing where I'm reverting them back to Boys Town. They get louder, maybe a little more crass, maybe a little boozy and just loose when I'm around. And they're like, I fixed him up and got that out of his system. And here you are undoing all the work I did. I can understand that position. But it's also like, look, just because you dropped a friend or two when you got my nigga, don't act like he's supposed to do the same. Because once a chick gets a man, she'll complain about a bitch to her brand new shiny man long enough. And then she realizes she got a toxic friend that she needs to drop. But that don't mean I'm toxic. That don't mean he need to drop me. And then this is also this thing where I don't think they like my blackness or I don't think they like my masculinity. And I don't want to get into the bag of bitches don't like me. It's because I'm a nigger. I need a father. It's true, but let's not do that. It's types of whiteness I don't like. It's subcultures I don't like. I don't like techies that are so into their techie bubble. Like, you can work in tech and I can fuck with you. But if you're, like, techie, I'm not fucking with you. Camping forest white people. Too close to Ruby Ridge for my comfort. White people where everything should be a safe space because they're there. I fucking hate white guys where their personalities defending bitches and sex workers and attacking anything resembling traditional masculinity. I call them man cuts. You ain't going to ruin regular man fun because it took a New York Times article for you to realize your sister has been made to feel uncomfortable in her day. And then now you want to get mad at us just being regular niggas. Bitch, fuck you. I also don't like this kind of like upper middle class blue collar whiteness where like, you know, we have a boat and a deck. I don't like Bernie bros. It's a lot of whiteness that I'm uncomfortable by. But fuck my comfort. Fuck my comfort. What I'm saying is it's a lot of women that just flat out don't like a certain type of blackness from a man. You know, they 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 probably like they're like, oh, my God, I love her. She's so expressive. But all this all like the black qualities that she'll get in her little like, you know, her little soul sister, you know, like when <clears throat> that same type of blackness from a man, they ain't fucking with. And they maybe be more comfortable with a Donald Glover type of blackness or a Jalen Brown blackness. And that's not to say those brothers ain't black, but it's a certain kind that certain types of white people could just fuck with more. I or just or not even white people, just like people that are not black outside the culture. I do think there is a thing of women wanting their black men or just flat out men to be soft spoken, sensitive, unbothered. Maybe even smaller, maybe a little scrawny, maybe slightly effeminate. I do see how these white girls love a gay black mascot. Well, most girls, period, like a gay friend in a sort of safari kind of way. Same way guys like having like drug dealers, street nigga friends, or a pro athlete homie. Everybody want to be cool by association. What's funny is those girls are probably listening to this like, well, we treat him better than you and your homies do. That's for sure. <laughs> do some offbeat snapping after. <laughs> but it's either that or they want a Charles Minor type of nigga. 
They want a black man to be tall, strong, fit, muscular, lean, articulate, educated. He can't have a whiff of single parent household or the streets on him. They want a nigga to feel like he has a whiteboard with goals written down on them. And I'm not saying these are the men they're trying to fuck. I'm saying this is how they prefer their black men to be packaged. They're looking at their man like, if you're going to have nigger friends, I'd prefer these would be the kind that you're friends with. It's either, oh, this guy is pussy, he's not loud, goes with the flow, a little goofy, or he's this enjoyable to look at statue that isn't fat like all the other diabetic coons, because being fat shows you don't care about yourself. But he's also not small because niggers aren't supposed to be small, but he can speak three languages and play sports, and he's probably like Nigerian or some shit. I think people... (laughs) I think people don't question their their partner's racial and cultural bias enough. Hey, baby, how come Breonna Taylor and Elijah McClain got posted on your page, but not George Floyd? I be noticing that type of shit. Did I get too deep? Did I get too deep? What I'm saying is when you're on the other end where you feel there is tension or just a bias based on who you are, where you come from, who you love. That shit can hurt. And it can hurt when somebody wants you to conform to something you are not. Going against nature in the name of love creates bad blood. This has been the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I've been your host, Lyle Behrens. Thank you very much for tuning in. Hope you have a great week. Hope you enjoy yourselves. I hope to see you at a live comedy show soon. And be well.